Hey everyone, welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Delano Soporu, founder, financial advisor, New Street Advisors Group. Thank you for listening, Team New Street. I appreciate you. Wherever you're listening, please make sure you five-star rate, review, subscribe, Apple pod, well, Podcast. That's actually a good podcast. That'd be a really fun name for an app, but no. Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. Tell your grandma, your friend. Uh, we want Team New Street to spread across the country. This week, we'll talk about what's in the news, what is going on. Lots, lots of update, lots to update people on. A lot in the financial and business news. Financial Roundtable. I don't think I've done this before, but we're going to break down the difference the different financial services professionals because a lot of people don't know what that is the difference is and we'll do that next we'll go to clubhouse the new app clubhouse we did an event yesterday night it went well i want more people to be tapped into clubhouse so we'll talk about that lastly we'll talk about what's going on with me what is new in the past week so thank you for listening please enjoy the show hey everyone what is in the news market update First, this week, the market's been trading mostly higher, and I think a lot of it is built off of the anticipation of President-elect Joe Biden's new stimulus plan. Um, The market's pretty much shrugged off some of the bad labor data that's come off that's printed recently in the past week. But people are waiting for the new stimulus plan, and we saw with the Democratic sweep that we are going to have more aid, more stimulus. And so that's what the market's hoping on. Flood the economy, flood print more, Fed printing more, flood the economy and help people with money, which will optimally be flowing through the economy and obviously going increasing asset prices. So that's one thing that the market is looking at too. And that's going to be, I think, announced later today. There's supposed to be a speech where they'll lay out more of the details uh, of, the, of the stimulus plan and the, of the prospects of the, of the, the Fed borrowing more. Um, and that's that's something that's been happening uh, in the last couple of years as we need this aid as we're seeing. So that's one thing you'll you'll see um, and, and what the market's banking on, what investors are banking on just this week. But um, again, for these people listening to your own research um, uh, or work with an expert, which is what most smart people do um, in these type of situations. So um, that's it for the market update. Let's move on to what's in the news. So Visa and Plaid. So I don't know if people know what Plaid is, and I high level know Plaid is a, a is a platform. It's a fintech platform that allows you to you know grab your bank info and log in and verify you. It links it to other banks. So if you like have a uh, a budgeting app, you can link into your your regular bank, and it, it does that all through their back office. And Plaid is a really great platform that's been used by a lot of people. And they were going to be, uh, merge with Visa, um, and that was announced a few few months ago. I remember it. But that merger got canceled because the Department of Justice filed an antitrust lawsuit saying that the merger would limit competition in the payments industry. So they've canceled uh, the merger. And, you know, Plaid, people are saying it's good for Plaid because Plaid's growing so fast. After the deal announcement, uh, I think it was in the range of five or $5.3 billion is what the range of the, the, the deal was. Since then, Plaid has gotten so many more users. Um, they've been growing incredibly fast. Uh, and that merger not going through might have been a benefit to Plaid. And so that's one thing to watch in the fintech sector, uh, something to watch out for. Next, gaming for all the game heads out there. Uh, GameStop, which is pretty much a retailer for games, which is our kick model of doing things, but they're just a retailer for your games, video game systems. GameStop, me and my brother used to go in there all the time when we were younger. He still probably goes, so he still plays games. I prefer to use my spare time to watch shows, but I, I got to get back into gaming. 
Uh, I've been telling my friends, I want to get back into gaming. I want to get a PS5 when I have time, but I just don't have time to play. There's no games that I can play right here. I mean, we're not playing any games. Um, but no, GameStop soared 60%. Again, people that are trying to buy off of you know news, you obviously don't know how to invest. Uh, but it went up based off of you know Chewy's founder joining the board and that's you know what they what that signaled to some investors is that they're actually going to have a online uh strategy that's you know more commensurate of the times which we're living in right big box retailers struggling people that have online east commerce strategy performing well chewy's founder chewy is the pretty much like the amazon for pets uh and pet items um joins the board and so that's signaled a, a strong thing for for uh, investors uh in that in that situation moving forward unhosting airbnb is canceling and blocking dc reservations during joe biden's inauguration this week they're trying to take a proactive approach to limiting violence to limiting any unrest um they're canceling reservations for the people flocking in to dc people don't know what's going to happen it's kind of crazy so i think it's a good move to cancel limit unrest limit uh, craziness um and hopefully this this inauguration goes smoothly uh this in the, in the in the inauguration week so that's something to note and more legal um lawmaker administration news the vaccine the vaccine which even in new york i think the reports are coming out that it's being administrated poorly uh that they're throwing away vaccines because it's they, they just have too much and they're not able to give it to certain people based on the current guidelines which is i think is you know essential workers and medical professionals and, and really people that need it first but now the administration is reportedly issuing new guidelines to expand COVID vaccine eligibility to anyone 65 and older. So anyone 65 and older is supposed to be able to access. I think this is good. We need to administrate this quickly. They're, they're moving at a slow pace so far. Uh, they were supposed to be moving at a much quicker pace, a much better pace to get this out there to millions and millions of Americans, but it's not moving at the pace that was expected. So this is a good move to really get more people the vaccine, to really turn things around as quickly as we can in that respect. So hopefully that, that gets rolled out correctly. Quibi, I talked about this on CNBC. This just kind of blew up. It had over 100,000 views. The tweet itself, I was talking about Roku and another um, 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 company. But Quibi, uh, actually the failed platform, the failed on-the-go TV platform that was you know touted. They raised $1.75 billion and they did a bunch of different things. But they actually failed after six months. And Roku bought the assets, so some of the original uh content bought the assets for less than 100 million which is pennies on the dollar for roku um the market liked that um obviously because you know roku is one of the companies that's winning from the streaming wars they have the hardware they're able to license and get all the content from the other content makers but they're also making a push into content as well um, which is amazing uh for them and a really good interesting deal that they see uh going on with that so that's something to watch and something that i think is really really interesting Next up, big companies taking a performative stance. Um, if you see it last week uh, after the run on the Capitol, the attack on the Capitol, some of the biz biggest names in the biz, JP Morgan, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Marriott, they hit pause, whatever that means. They hit pause on political spending over the weekend, meaning they're not going to be you know, doing their normal contributions to different political campaigns or whatnot. So they hit pause. Uh, I guess I'm joking around with it, but I guess it's a smart move. We're seeing that lawmakers... Uh, generally not doing a great job in these times to help 
people. Um, they're just not really helping out the American people, especially one side is doing horrible things, um, especially those streamers on those one sides that did incredibly horrible things with the run on the Capitol. So the big companies are taking a pause and doing what they do, whatever that means. But it's really, really interesting to see. And if we're going back to social media, Twitter, the biggest news of the week, I think, was Twitter uh, was the first or probably the first um, platform to ban President Trump uh, permanently. So they to ban him permanently, no longer have an account. You will no longer be able to. <laughs> it's not funny, but he was trying to tweet from other accounts, which were ultimately also banned. Uh, besides, I don't think the White House account was taken down, but not a funny thing. It was needed to be done a long time ago. Um, and it was finally done. Jack, the CEO of Twitter and also the CEO of Square, uh, sent out a thread of tweets yesterday explaining his position and why he didn't take I don't. I think people should go read it because it's a really, really long thread. A really great th- thread. I don't want to miss um, paraphrase it, but it, it talked about why you know these big companies. So Twitter did it, Facebook, Google, Apple. A lot of people are doing different things as far as moving, removing extremist um, and incite, inciting accounts, uh, accounts that incite danger off their platform. And he t- Jack on his Twitter thread talked about you know how big tech has a huge huge hold and, and and power over the general public and and what they need to do with that power so it's a really interesting thread i, I suggest people go read that um and, and see what what um you know what that's kind of going on in, the, in that in that atmosphere because it's super super interesting i think there's a move to decentralization you'll see a whole bunch of different platforms will be popping up in the next five ten years where people that will just go to those platforms. i talked about it before with the only fans thing and just people will just be starting to go to their own platforms uh and there won't be this, so much centralization. Decentralization is the, one of the bigger moves that's going to happen in the next five to 10 years. People becoming more dependent when it's financially or, you know, just selling and working for their own. People doing, you know, decentralization, independent decentralization, cryptocurrency. Those are the things that are going to shift culture in the next five to 10, 15 years. You'll see it in a big, big way. One of my predictions, you heard it here first. So thank you. We just sped through um, a lot, a lot of great stuff into our in our news update. Uh, so we're going to go to the financial roundtable next. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And we'll be back with the roundtable next. Hey, we are back. Gather round for the financial roundtable. And this week we want to break down the differences in financial services professionals, the differences in financial service professionals, what they are, who they are, what they do, um, what, uh, how you know who you need to work with. Um, that's, that's what we're going to talk about. And I think it's an important subject um, because people don't actually know uh, what the difference is in financial advisors, in CPA, accountant, they don't know. They just like heard all you have to know is you need a fiduciary advisor. So um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that right now. So first and foremost, what am I? What am I? I'm a financial advisor, fiduciary financial advisor. What does the word fiduciary mean? Everybody talks about it. They're like, oh, just are they fiduciary? I don't think anyone, most people don't even know what it actually means. They just heard that you're supposed to ask that and that's what you're supposed to do. But yes, that is, is a good thing. Generally, if you're talking about working with an advisor, you'd 
probably, I would say you want them to be fiduciary, which is what I am, which is my firm is as a registered investment advisory firm. Fiduciary means we're legally obliged and obligated to act in our client's best interest. And we charge flat fees for services rather than commission-based fees. Um, So the compensation structure of a fiduciary advisor is aligned with the interest of my clients, whereas brokers, uh, which we'll talk about here in a second, don't have that same fiduciary standard. They have a suitability standard, which is different. So that's a financial advisor. So yes, you definitely want a fiduciary advisor like myself in your corner, especially if you're someone that's trying to grow and have a retirement plan. What's the other side of things? Okay, people have heard a lot about it. Other people that can call themselves advisors, but they're not fiduciary, they're brokers. They work for like your Northwestern Mutual, your even your Fidelity, whatever they work for, Northwest Mutual, what all the companies, Edward Jones, all those places, those are brokers. Um, and what are brokers? They claim they also call themselves fiduci- advisors, but they don't can't claim the fiduciary aspect because they're not. Brokers serve, they work and they have a different standard for their clients. They just have a suitability standard, which means they just have to advise people on what could possibly be suitable for the clients, not in their best interest totally. So that's why they get... They push insurance a lot because you may not need it. You probably don't. Um, and I'll sell an example of that in, in a second. But for them, it's like, okay, maybe in the down the line you'll need it. But uh, hey, if you buy it, I'll get a large commission check for you buying insurance some term or whole life. And you'll pay that premium for a lot of time, even though you really don't need it. Um, and I'll get a large commission check for it. But it, it's suitable. It's it possibly you may need it down the line. You probably don't. But that's why they have a different standard. That's why they don't really push on investing in a retirement plan because they just want to get their large commission check for selling you a large insurance plan, which people, insurance companies and brokers, they make a lot of money on selling insurance, right? That's their main thing Um, or or selling you something else. And so here's an example that I actually talked to a a soon-to-be client this past week and he was a software engineer and he was told that he was getting pushed by a broker to get hand insurance. I mean, this is a 27, 20 year old dude that was getting pushed by someone to get hand insurance. Now we all know that that's like not really needed, right? Paying a large premium for hand insurance. Like what, what are the possibilities of something happening to your hand? Even if it does, like that's just craziness. Um, as far as like, they, that's, the, uh, uh, that's it. That's it. That's like, that's a crazy example of what people will push as far as things. Yeah. Life has risk, but you don't want to pay a premium just because you, think of like hand insurance. We, we all know that that's not needed um, for a 27, 28 year old man. Uh, no one, I haven't even know that hand insurance is possible, um, but that's it. That's what a broker will do or a person that is not a fiduciary advisor um, that is a broker that works at one of these firms that they'll do is they'll push something that's not really in your best interest, but it possibly is suitable maybe, um, but it, it's not a, a great way to, to approach um you know, working with someone uh, that doesn't have your best interest. So again, myself, my firm, fiduciary financial advisors work in the best interest of clients and, and align interest. A broker, financial advisor that's not a fiduciary will work in the best interest of work in possibly a suitable manner, possibly, but was really pushing products to get a commission check off of it. Um, and that's how they kind of operate on those things. And yeah, it's kind of crazy. And if you think about how insurance model works, right? Like it's, They want people that, how does it, if you have to actually dive into what the insurance game is, right? They want, they're selling you something that they hope you don't need. 
if that if that makes sense. And I'll break that down because if you're buying um, hand insurance, right? They're taking the money that you're paying for the premium and that investing that money. Their model works. They have actuaries and they have people that crunch the numbers to say, okay, we want to sell as many insurance policies as we can, but we also don't want to pay out if something does happen. So the only way an insurance company works is if, if nothing happens so that they can keep the money and invest it rather than pay out. When you have natural disasters, when you have things happen, insurance companies have a hard time because they actually have to pay out these things. And they're, so they're actually betting that you actually don't need these things, but they're getting the premium and they're investing the money. Uh, so they're actually betting that you're actually not going to need these things at all. Uh, so that's how the model works. Like, right. They, they, it's, so you have to really understand how companies work, but Hey, that's the side. I don't really, you know, I'm, everyone knows where my risk aversion lies. I'm super comfortable in everything that I do. Um, and so I don't have, you know, I'm not a scary person that's scared of everything. Uh, but a lot of people are. And so that's why, uh, these, these things exist for people that want to mitigate risk in some, in some same uh, way, shape or fashion. Yeah. But Let's move on. Uh, we've covered that one really, and then we got financial coaches, which I didn't used to like them before, but I actually like them now. <laughs> uh, I've been working with a lot of them and, and just doing different things, and we'll talk about that later. But financial coaches have a different area where they're able to do literacy and maybe help in certain um, aspects of financial plan, like a financial planner literacy. But they are actually able to invest. So financial coaches aren't able to give investment advice or any of that stuff. Uh, whereas myself, I manage millions for a lot of great people, but they're not able, financial coaches are, and I do the same thing as a financial coach, right? I do the planning, help my clients, budgeting, all those things. Some financial coaches are great because they focus on niche areas, whether it's like debt, um, different things with debt, or they work with a niche group of people, whether it's like people in nonprofit um, and, they, and they help in that area. So I do think, um, there is um, some value add to to what some financial coaches do out there. Um, some just like sell a product. They'll just like put a link tree and they'll just sell a product. Whereas my value add and my ability is working directly in a dedicated manner with clients. Um, so so that's something to understand. They're not able to actually invest for people that can't give you advice. They know it um, or else they'll, you know, get in lots of trouble for giving you advice. Or, you know, people always ask me all the time for different things. I, people can't give clients people that aren't their clients advice, you know, that's that rules against that. Um, but yeah, financial coaches can help in some different areas, but not able to invest for people or manage assets. Uh, so that's something to note uh, on that. Uh, but good, good, a lot of great people that I work with in the financial coaching realm um, that I think are really great people and doing a lot of good things across the world. Let's talk about accounting. So everybody's like, so I know someone doesn't know much when they and I. If you talk to them, like, hey, um, if if when early days when I would have to reach out to someone and they'd be like, hey, I already have an accountant. Accountant is not the same thing as a financial advisor. So some people obviously don't know that. But what is a fun accountant? Accountant is a CPA. It's a tax person. This is someone that will help you do your taxes essentially. Um, a certified public accountant is someone that has that certification, uh, which is a fairly good certification to help people do that. You don't have to work a CPA, but I think. They don't have to, um, but they're they're supposed to be really good at what they do. But yeah, this is someone that will help you do your taxes, will help you figure out your different things. Me not being a CPA, but just knowing tax laws and investing really well, I, I'm able to give consultation in some same profession, but not fully intricate. If you have full intricate stuff that is really complicated, you probably want to work with a CPA that can help you. But people get scared a lot about taxes. 
but it's super simple in the sense that it's all online. Like I do my own uh, taxes, but sometimes if it's super complicated and you want to make sure you dot, dot all your I's, cross all your T's, it, it's best to pull an expert. I think it's best to pull an expert in a lot of these things, especially if you're doing other stuff and you don't have the time to actually dive into this. You should. That's when experts are supposed to be there. Um and especially investing, I don't think people should do it on their own. 80, 90% of retail investors fail. So I, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing for a lot of great people. But if we're going back to accounting, CPA and accountant is different than a financial advisor and asset manager. Different, but you know they're both viable things. And a CPA and accountant can help you answer those tax-related questions and help you in a way that um, may be needed, especially if you're someone that's trying to limit your tax liability. You can't pay no taxes for people that always ask. You're going to pay your fair share, but just you can possibly limit your tax liability or move things around to help you on that. But that's a great roundtable. I think that really breaks down a difference. Like I know a lot of people don't know what these things are. They just hear it and they read it, um, but they don't actually internalize and know it. So hopefully this is helpful. Next up, we'll talk a little bit more about the Clubhouse event we did yesterday, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Hey, everyone. So I'm not sure if people are familiar with the Clubhouse app. Clubhouse is a social media audio platform that's been booming recently as far as, you know, you essentially you are able to set a date and time where people can, and a topic where people can listen in, you have speakers, you have audience. It's really a great platform that's growing rapidly. Um, last night, myself um, and a couple of financial coaches uh, were able to do a building and, and do a, a finance roundtable essentially on 2021 goals um, where we're able to talk and help people figure out what's, what's needed. It was a great event. I think people should tap into the Clubhouse app if you're looking for more literacy.